The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Hello, Bunker Maniacs, and welcome to Bunker Mania. We are talking about wrestling here on Bunkerzilla, and I am Jeremy Graves, and the cohort in crime, as I'm going to call him this time. Oh, hang on. It's, let's think tag teams quickly. He would be the Alex Reynolds if I am John Silver in the Dark Order. It's Mr. Ian Bolton. Ian, how the devil are you doing today? I am doing lovely. Thank you for that warm introduction, Jeremy. Much appreciated. Hello. Yes, we're back. We're live. We're live right now on Twitch, and we're talking all things AEW full gear. It's kind of like we haven't. I think I think the last time we caught up was about Grand Slam, and oh my yeah. word, it would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Times flown. Things have happened. Things have changed. Wrestling goes on, and now Let we're at the not- and then we're at the last pay per view of the year for AEW. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of things happen. Let alone in AEW, just wrestling in general. Quite frankly. Yeah. Pretty much, but it's like there is so much to get through. Um, so this is pretty much an AEW centric show today. Um, we'll we'll discuss the wonders of the world of wrestling entertainment next week with Survivor Series, but that's not important right now. No, exactly, and we'll say that again from the outset, folks. Today we are very much focusing on all things AEW, more specifically on the Full Gear pay per view from this past weekend. So. Ian, I think the best place to start off with when it comes to this is let's just do not we're not going to go deep diving into before full gear, but let's just kind of rounding it up going into full gear this past weekend. How were you feeling going into the show? Um, I was pretty excited going into the show. I mean, again, AEW have done a, a pretty good job at building a lot of their marquee matches up for the for the pay per view. Obviously, the the long story of Hangman Adam Page going up against Kenny Omega has just been one of the best wrestling stories of, of the last year, if not the last few years as well. Watching that full character arc come full circle on a Saturday night. And a lot of a lot of the other matches had some fairly decent builds. Um, there were some matches that didn't really have a great build, but then when it came to the match itself, and the opening match is a good example of this one, the opening match just blew everything head and shoulders out of the water, I think uh, we'll get on to MGF versus Darby Allen very shortly. But I thought that was match of the night, and that was the opening, the opening contest as well. And it was just, yeah, we'll talk about that shortly. Um, but no, I think I think in general, another good, solid show from AEW. I don't think it it was as good as All Out because there are a few matches here that could have been cut from the card to kind of make it a little bit more tight in pacing, and one or two matches have. Some very interesting uh, booking finales and so forth. I, I think overall, AEW going into full gear, I thought I was very excited. The pay-per-view didn't disappoint me. I thought it was very, very good. And again, I'm looking forward and I'm, looking, I'm, and I'm excited about what AEW does next moving into the Christmas period and the Road Towards Revolution, which will be, I think, uh, February, I think, is the next pay-per-view now. I think so, yeah, off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. Uh, as for my thoughts going into Full Gear, I, uh, I don't know why, I nearly called it All Out because you just mentioned All Out, but uh, but Full <laughs> Gear. Um, I was very excited for the show. Going in, while being incredibly excited for it, I actually thought going in, there was too much on the card. And not that yeah. I didn't think that every match was going to be at least be really good. I just mm. thought, there's a heck of a lot on this show. 
I mean, apparently, I don't know if you've heard, but um, it, it sort of come out after the fact that the Orange Cassidy-Matt Hardy match that took place on Rampage the night before was originally going to be on Full Gear or on the pre-show, mm. one or the other. So, which, which yeah. kind of makes sense when you think about it in hindsight. Mm. Yeah. Uh, again, as we go through the card, because I think we'll be doing this match by match, there are one or two matches here that I like them, but they didn't need to be on a pay-per-view. That And it's... And, and I, I can appreciate it's a big blow off to certain storylines. I, I get it. I really do. It's just, again, with pay-per-view lengths, four hours is asking a lot. I it's think a, it, we were, it, 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 It's a big commitment. That's the way I phrase yeah. it. Yeah, I think All Out, I think All Out managed to achieve, achieve it simply because there were a lot of great matches going on. There were some big, big moments going on. It was kind of like, I think All Out, in all honesty, is that is AEW's WrestleMania. So it's kind of like I can kind of forgive that they're putting everything out for that show. Obviously, because it's all out. Uh, <laughs> they went all out. Indeed. Um, but when it comes to pay-per-views in general, and WWE are, have been guilty of this, it's when it's just too much. And it's really, really too much to sit through. Um, especially if you, if you add it on to the previous week's worth of wrestling. Obviously, you get about... Uh, three hours of AEW on TV. You get five hours of WWE. No, no, no five, seven hours of WWE oh, as well. Just hearing so there, that. there is just so <laughs> much wrestling. So after committing all that time to watching either AEW or WWE products, to sit down for maybe four plus hours now is asking a lot. And the show, and I feel like if you're going to be four hours, the show has to deliver, and the show has to be, the show has to keep you engaged. From, from the first match to the last match. Because, yeah, one or two matches didn't necessarily engage me as, as well as they should have done. But, uh, but yeah, I think the sweet spot is just under three hours. If you can get it between two and a half hours to three hours, you're golden. Um, and yeah. I think some of the early, I think some of the, I think some of the, the pandemic lockdown pay-per-views from like WWE around that time, the pacing was great, even though the storytelling might have been a little bit shit. But <laughs> that's, a, that's another yeah. story for another time. It's a blessing and a curse because mm. I I totally understand and have no problem with AEW pay-per-views being of a four-hour length because they only mm. have four or five tops a year. That's also true, yeah. And then because, you know, Dynamite, they occasionally have like a themed special, for example. There'll be like a particular mm. theme where it'll feel more like a super Dynamite, if you will. Indeed. Like a whole, a, a big... A big box of dynamite. There you go. That'll do. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I can, why, I can, why, I can forgive Why did that, I but... just imagine? Why did I just imagine? Like it's the Wiley Coyote box it, of dynamite. That's exactly special, what I was going for. And you've got, you've got like, you've got evil Don Callis just, just by a plunger, just going. I'm gonna blow up the wrestling thing. It'd be like trying to do another exploding death match, but this time it actually will explode. <laughs> There you go. There you go. So, so yeah, I don't have an issue with the, the events being four hours because they are more infrequent and they actually yeah. do feel very much like chapter points in a year. It's mm -hmm. not just, oh, there is a pay-per-view. Like, there's a pay-per-view every month. We must do a pay-per-view every month. It's like, no, these are actually big, significant chapter points in the chronology of AEW. So I'm totally fine with that. But it's just going in. I just personally thought... I hope this doesn't feel like overkill. And I get you want to present as much as you can mm -hmm. on the show. But then there is also part of me that feels like they've got ramp. This is a big tangent before we get into the actual show, but just to get it out now, they've got rampage, which they want to continue to make it feel like an a show, which I mm -hmm. think they're doing a pretty good job of making that consistent. 
But yeah. obviously, from a ratings point of view, when it airs in America, I think it's like 10 p.m. on a fr Friday night on TNT. It's not mm -hmm. a great slot. So I can understand why you would then hold something back for the pay-per-view the next day. I totally get it. Also, I love the fact that pay-per-views are on Saturday nights. When AEW had one on a Sunday night, I was quite disappointed, I'll be honest. Yes. But, um, but yeah, the, so, sweet spot. the sweet spot, Saturday night. Exactly. So I, I get the thought process. But then what AEW have also done in the past is literally tell people, hey, this match is going to be on Dynamite next week rather than on the pay-per-view. Like they've, they've built some matches to, to actually be on Dynamite rather than mm. the pay-per-view in a couple of days' time. And I have zero quarrels with that whatsoever because it actually gives you more anticipation for Dynamite. I think they... I can't remember what match it was, but they did it one time, I want to say, with a Dustin Rhodes match. Like, there was a pay-per-view in a couple of days' time and they ended up having Dustin Rhodes in a big match on Dynamite following a pay-per-view. That's just one that comes to mind. I can't actually remember the details of it, but that, that feels familiar. Yeah, it doesn't come to, it doesn't come to me at the moment. Maybe, maybe during the show. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just talking total codswallop. But you know what wasn't total codswallop? The opening match of this card. Because we opened up with MJF against Darby Allen. And as you as you said, you felt it was match of the night. What I will say is this match set the bar for the night mm, when it came to it wrestling. Did. It's like anyone who had to follow this match, if I was a wrestler and had to follow this, there would probably be part of me almost going, flipping at guys, you know, do you mind? You know, but then there's also part of me that would think, all right. I mean, there's that famous story with Batista, I think it was, after his match with Undertaker WrestleMania 23, mm. when even though he'd won the Rumble, his match was like in the middle of the card and it was the world title match. And I think he got backstage and just shouted, follow that. And it wasn't meant to be in a malicious way. It was just a, in the spur of the moment. It's just literally follow that. And I, in yeah. a way, that, that's almost what this felt like because this match was so damn good. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the real stunning thing about this particular bout and this actual rivalry is that the feud has not been like firing on all cylinders on dynamite. It's been good. It's been good. You've got that you've got MGF declaring himself one of the four pillars of AEW. He says other people in that group include Sammy Kavaba, who he's beaten. Uh I think he also Jungle Boy, who he's beaten. But then there was Darby Allen, who he get beaten. So it's kind of, I get that from the storytelling point of view. I do. I think it's actually quite cool that you're going, I'm identifying these other competitors. We are going to be like the kings of AEW in a few years' time. But I'm the best because I've beaten them all apart from Darby. And I think generally that storyline has been quite good. But it's just, it's just been kind of just gently peddling, I suppose. I mean, you've got typical MGF Hill heat going on with MGF kind of, really kind of trying to mentally break Darby by talking about a car accident that took his uncle's life and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, you also have the 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 uh, the assault on Darby backstage, which he claims he didn't do, but my word, I think they did. <laughs> when they were all masked hoodlums. It could be anyone. It could be anyone. I mean, that giant man who looks like Wardlow, it's definitely not Wardlow, but it could it couldn't be Wardlow, could it? That um, giant man who did Wardlow's finisher couldn't possibly be Wardlow, could it? <laughs> no, it could it could it could be it could be a stunt double or anyone like that. Um so yeah, could be, I mean it could, it could have been Locke Bresner, you know. <laughs> it could have been. I mean, it's just I mean, yeah, the, the build to this match is has just been it's been good. It's not been excellent, it's not been amazing, it's been pretty, pretty good and and Good, sort of reliable, sort of 
uh, uh, of selling from MGN and Derby. Um, and then the match kicks off and it starts off with obviously with all these sort of holds and pinning combinations and so forth. And it's just, it's like, you're not expecting this to happen, but it's really good. And it's well, like, it's interesting you mentioned that. Sorry to cut you yeah. off there, because part of the build-up in the run to this match was MJF saying, I'm going to beat you with a side headlock. Yeah. And then the fact that Darby and MJF have had like a couple of fights on Dynamite, it was almost implying, I think Darby almost outright said, look, at a pay-per-view, we're having a wrestling match. But as mm. for now, I'm just going to kick the crap out of you and basically yeah. have the war that we come to expect with Darby. So... It was surprising in the heat of the moment because there was almost that element of, oh, that they're actually doing a wrestling match. And it was yeah. really freaking good. Yeah. And it's just, from a technical standpoint, it was just excellent. It was just holds being counted. It's like transitions were really, really good. And it's like, I think, I think it was like, it was weird. It was a crowd that was charting for Derby and also for MJF. So it's kind of like, and this is MJF, who usually has people booing him left, right, and center. And Tony Schiavone just always go, I just, I hate that man so, so much. Um, but no, it's like, it's like, for, I mean, obviously, if they, they are the future of AEW, and it's like, if that's the future, then the future's looking very, very exciting indeed. Um, great selling from both competitors as well, with injuries and all that sort of stuff. The coughing drops. Um, <laughs> oh, look, the coffin drops were brutal. But the most brutal part of the match, I want to say that I think it was Darby going for a code red. Yeah. And like the sunset flip into a pinning combination type thing. But MJF stopped it and turned it into like the world's most deadliest looking high shoulder power bomb. And I think Is it was also one he powered him bomb onto his knee. Yeah, that one. It yeah, was the most one, yeah. brutal looking thing. And like <laughs> there were a couple of people in my house kind of going, what are you watching? I went, sorry, I'm in the moment. It's wrestling, all right? Just mm. just please accept for the next X amount of hours, I will be swearing quite a lot of the reaction to things. But mm. this this was really good. I also love the fact that ultimately it came down to the freaking dynamite diamond ring, which is yeah. like, it's like a long-term story thing with MJF. He's not defended it in like another year, I think. But it's just that <laughs> moment of ultimately, that's what it came down to. And he actually beat him with a freaking side headlock. As so he I'm fully- would. <laughs> exactly. So it, there is also that element where MJF keeps delivering on promises that he he's making, mm. and it doesn't hurt Darby one bit. You could argue oh, no. Darby Darby could have won, but there is just that element of at some point MJF will get his second AEW title match because at yeah. the moment he's only ever had one title match, and it also wouldn't surprise me, pending what happens this week on Dynamite and maybe beyond, which we'll get onto at the end of the show. It wouldn't mm. surprise me, depending how things go, if ultimately he is the one to dethrone Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine him doing that. I can even imagine him being the one to end Hangman Page in the mm. future as well. There are, the fact is, he could take either title belt and you'd probably go, yeah. But it, yeah, it, it kind of feels like it's getting closer to MGF becoming the ultra heel that he is on AEW yeah. and really relishing that role. Um, a couple of comments on the match from uh, Rum D12. Um, you forget how good MJF is from a hybrid style perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I, I mean, I always just think he was just like a just. I don't know why it's it's probably me because sometimes I don't always see MJF wrestle all the time. So when I look at MGF, I kind of think, oh, he kind of wrestles like he's a he's a safe wrestler, maybe like the Miz or something like that. But then he does 
all this acrobatic stuff like flipping off the turnbuckle doing all this sort of real high agility stuff and you forget how good he really is um yeah rum also agrees that the the knee power bomb was brutal i think the pile driver on the ring apron was was brutal as well it's just kind mm. of like i was watching this with our with our mutual friend christian allen and this is like this is like this is only the first match and we're getting to this levels of brutality in a way um again no, it, it set the bar for the night that's the yeah. thing it did. And yeah, I mean, if you if you haven't had a chance to watch AEW Full Gear, if you need if you need one of several matches to watch, this is definitely the first stop, really. Because <laughs> it's like I kind of I kind of want this feud to continue a little bit. I thought it'd be like a short feud, but I kind of want it to continue now and really see how far they can really go. If this doesn't continue, I will be very surprised. Just because yeah. of, the, of the way it finished. And it almost yeah. feels like Derby has to get some retribution in mm. some way it'll probably be Absolutely. in like a, a i don't know make up a match name a coffin drop death match there you go i mean they had what didn't they have that match at fighter fest it was didn't a ethan, e- e- ethan page and derby yeah and they kind of had a barrel and he just went oh, i'll just throw myself through the barrel <laughs> it's like this bond mm. this match is sponsored by this barrel all right fine mm. the other thing about mjf <laughs> i guess as a final thought on this match just in general is that yeah. even though we don't see him wrestle that often it's ne- he has now got the reputation, undeniably, that he can deliver in the ring. Yeah, and it, it, his matches have always at least been pretty blooming good. Like I don't think he's ever had a bad match on Dynamite oh, no, no. or on an no. AW programming in general. But there is that element now where even though you don't see him wrestle a lot, you mm. know he can go. And especially yeah. after this match, it, it, the sky is probably the limit at this point. But we will uh, we will see how things progress on that in due course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Ne- next up on the show, it was for the AEW World Tag Team Championships as the Lucha Bros defended against FTR, accompanied by Tully Blanchard. Of course, they mm. are the AAA Tag Team Champions after they recently defeated the Lucha Bros for those titles on Dynamite when mm. they were, what was their random frog tag team? L- Las Lucha Ranas or something like that? Possibly, but they were just in, in wonderful green jumpsuits and masks. <laughs> I'm trying guys luchadors, a- but not luchadors at all. <laughs> I'll give you guys a pro tip: bright green on a TV that's not been properly color corrected in a while, it really burns your eyes. Just a pro tip there. <laughs> <laughs> so this match, I really, really, really was enjoying this match. I love the different styles that we were getting. It was at one point very much Lucha Bros centric, then it was FTR centric. Yeah. It had a really, really just fun dynamic going to it. But mm. to kind of just jump forward quite a bit to the ending, mm-hmm. because I was really enjoying where this was going, and then suddenly I can't remember which FTR member it was. I'll just say Dax for argument's sake. Suddenly he appeared wearing one of those Lost Lucha Rana's masks. Yeah, and I I get it from the perspective of it was a callback to how they won the belts, mm. but in my opinion, it actually made FTR look incredibly dumb. Because one would assume yeah. now it's technically 1-1 in the matches because FTR beat mm. them once, Lucha Brothers beat them once. So one would assume, you know, there must be a deciding match, probably winner take all for both sets of belts, one would assume. yeah. But there was just an element where, to me, it looked really dumb because then in theory, the ref couldn't tell which member of FTR it was getting pinned. And I think it was the incorrect man that was ultimately pinned. Yeah. So I can see that potentially being a storyline going into this, but it just it that finish just took me out of the moment because it just made me feel like 
FTR were really dumb as opposed to them being outwitted and outsmarted. Yeah, I mean, it just... The commentary were putting over the fact that the wrong man was pinned. So you're right, it's a storytelling beat, but it just kind of came out of kind of nowhere. And up until that point, the match had been really entertaining. There had been amazing moves from Lucha Bros and FDR continued to show how great of a tag team they are and how... And it's like, it, 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 remo- it took me back to the good old glory days of NXT when they were in the revival and they were having these stellar matches with DIY and American Alpha and all that sort of stuff. And it's, that's amazing. They are amazing. But yeah, the finish kind of happened where we've just put on some masks and we've kind of just fallen through. And um, I just mentioned in the, in the comments by, by, by Rum as well, and something that we were going to sort of uh, touch on as well um the report after the event that dax actually got knocked out halfway through the match ah i did not know that in that case yeah. like, uh, uh, okay if in that case it was a little bit on the fly how this happened then i i can forgive that and i will retract some of those comments that i made then or at least yeah. you know, the, the spirit of them and, but again at the time watching it that is how i felt but i, I just hope i hope dax is all right more to the point that's what's the most important thing now yeah i mean basically he was i mean I think he, according to the reports from places like uh, Russell Talk and all that, he was knocked out probably about 10 minutes into the match. And that's why you kind of didn't see him for a good chunk of the match. And then they just, I think they just had to try and do a finale on the fly. So maybe the whole mask thing was still the intended finish. But because of that injury situation, um, they obviously had to try something a bit different and it didn't really pay off. And it, it's a little bit of a shame because the match was really, really good mm-hmm. as well. So there is, there is, there is like a five-star classic in these teams. Absolutely. Um, it's just, I think there were some reports about uh, Phoenix being quite a stiff worker. So it's... I mean, it was, when you're one, when you're match. literally one of the, when you're literally one of the best in the world, undeniably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I also, I can imagine like when you, I mean, even just look at Penta's chops. You know, every single oh, yeah. one, it sounds like a gunshot, without <laughs> without fail. I mean, it's not a Lucha Bros match unless uh, Pentagon is kind of doing the sort of slinking like a panther in the middle of the ring to deliver his like his zero fear. <laughs> it's just like I just go. It, it's not a Lucha Bros match until I see Pentagon kind of being like a panther going. Talking about stuff like that, right? Yeah. Did you did you get caught out when I can't remember what it was? I think there was like a stalemate or like a standoff happening between yeah. Penta and both of FTR, and then Phoenix just appeared out of nowhere on the screen because he jumped off the top rope, and it was just like someone just got photoshopped into the shot suddenly. It was really funny. It's like never fear, Phoenix is here. Ta da! Where have you been? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what else actually is just a random thought and again I, I hope Dax is alright and again the comments I made were very much not knowing that that had been reported because no, I've just been fine. a bit busy the past few days but there is an element now where that's two high profile matches that FTR have been involved in where one of them has been injured now oh yeah because Cash had the because of mm. Cash's arm thing yeah I, I wince every time I think of that because it's like I don't like I don't like when they kept doing the replays I, was like, I don't like looking at that <laughs> no I know so I, I, I mean obviously it's not FTR's fault by any no, means no, but it's no, just it's... it's almost just like it's just really bad luck especially because mm. even going back to Dynamite look at the match that Dax had with Pac that was freaking great mm. it was so good I just want them to do yeah. well 
Yeah, hope, hopefully, hopefully Dex is okay, and we'll be able to see another another match between the two down the line. Um, yeah, I think up until that sort of finale, it it was a really really good match. The finale kind of deflated that a bit, and and understanding obviously there was an injury during that match, it kind of makes sense. Um, and it's just a shame. It's not it's not the end of the world. These guys are going to have another great match down the line. Absolutely, um, it's just unfortunately things happen. Things happen in wrestling. Exactly. So, next up, we get the World Title Eliminator Tournament Final, as it was Miro versus Brian Danielson. Mm -hmm. Now, I will be honest here. The way the last match ended, it actually really took me out of about the next match and a half. Like, it actually... I, there is part of me that wonders... Because I'd like... I'd, Pete behind the curtain of real life, Jeremy here, as it were. But like, mm. I had done like a massive workout that morning and thought, right, I'll do a massive workout, then I'll just collapse on the sofa for a while and I'll watch full gear, knowing that I'm not going to move for a good few hours. Mm. Part of me wonders if, if maybe I, just, I hit a wall and my body just went, nope, you're in shutdown mode for a while, which may be why I wasn't as into it after the way that match ended. It might have just been a combination. But I thought this was a fun sort of David versus Goliath style match. It didn't light my world on fire. I've, I've spoken yeah. to some mates of mine who thought this was potentially match of the night. And in the politest way to put it, I just said, really? And I'm not, yeah. not, again, not in a, not trying to be negative. It's just like, like I would, if, if someone said to me, Danielson Miro or MJF v Derby, I instantly say MJF Derby. This mm. was a good match. It was a really nice story to be told because it's not often you get to see Miro be like a Goliath in this way. And Danielson playing a really good David in that role and just him having to really work around the fact Miro's a big bastard, quite frankly. Yeah. And, all, and all the strengths. And especially Redeemer Miro. Like, it's just such a good character in general. I love Redeemer Miro. It's an amazing exactly. character. It really is. Um, and again, it's like, yes, Miro's been TNT champion. It's kind of like, he could be, again. He could be another viable candidate to take the belt off Page down the line as the alter. Again, bring a story full circle. Finally, redeems himself with God and gets to go home to his sexy wife. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but you see, this or is another it? thing as well. The reason why I love watching AEW so much, and I've put this over many times before on the show, mm. but I love AEW so much because everything happens for a reason, Indeed. and you are rewarded for actually paying attention and noticing little details. Like, I mean, you mentioned it, alluded to it already, but the whole Hangman Page story, that goes back beyond the start of AEW if you've really been watching for a long time like I have. Mm. So for me, that was almost like the culmination of like, well, a big chapter point, at the very least, of a five-year build of a story. I mean, yeah. getting freaking goosebumps just thinking about it. That's quite funny. Um, <laughs> but that's what I love. And that's why you feel rewarded for paying attention to stuff. And it's like with Miro, the DDT is his weakness. His neck is buggered, quite frankly. Mm. And if anyone can hit a move involving his neck like a DDT, it's ultimately going to be a major turning point in a match. And that was the case here when that was a big part in then Danielson being able to lock in the, the LaBelle lock after Miro tried to put the game over on him for the second time. Mm. It just You get rewarded for, for being a long-term follower, but it doesn't alienate new people. And, no, not at all. And like I say, this was a really good match. But there was part of me at the time of watching that I just wasn't into it. And it might have been for the reasons I mentioned a few minutes ago. But this mm. doesn't take away the fact that for a, for a tournament final match, this was really, really good. Especially given that 
one would assume this was originally going to be Moxley versus Danielson. Yeah. And the fact that Miro could just step into the role, no issue whatsoever, really, really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Moxley, hoping he is doing okay with, mm-hmm. with the rehab and all that sort of stuff. I really need to read his book as well. I hear it's amazing. It's on my Christmas wish list, uh, all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, with, with the Miro Danielson match, um, it's a good match. And you're you're right. There's a nice David and Goliath feel to it. Um, and yeah, the storytelling, the darn net costs Miro again. Um, but I, I kind of think sometimes it may have been possibly a little bit overhyped. But and I and I also I think it's because we've been we've been really treated to the Danielson specials over the last couple of weeks. Suzuki, Kingston, Omega, all that stuff. Every time his match with Bowens was really good. Recent that yeah. was a rampage. Was that was a really good match? Yeah. So every match Danielson comes in is like you're really expecting something amazing. And I think again, I may have been expecting something even more amazing with Miro because it's like this is a Miro unleashed no longer obviously Rusev and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, these are two two wrestlers now unleashed in AEW. You think they could really tear the house down. And, and yeah, it didn't really happen, but it was still good. Um, so yeah, I mean, Danielson is probably a very good first opponent for Paige. And yeah, I think Paige might have the distinct honor of maybe giving Daniel his first loss. Okay, so Jill, we'll, we'll come back to that at we'll the end of the show. That, yeah. I'll make a note of that because that, that brings up an interesting question. So... Mm. Uh, sorry, jotted, down yeah, on the, jotted down on Jeremy's book of wrestling. Literally, I, I've got, I've got a pen. Literally, a pen. I'm writing it down. I'm on the Daniel, list. <laughs> Danielson challenging. Right, there we go. <laughs> so next up, we had a, a crazy false count anywhere match, Absolutely as it was, rated. as it was Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Man defeating Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, the Super Clique, as it mm-hmm. were. Now. Th- yeah. uh, as this match started, I was still kind of feeling a bit not totally like into mm. it, I guess is the way to put it. I was still in a bit of that lull. But there was a point during this match, and I can't really pinpoint when it was, when suddenly things just clicked. And by the time it got to the ending, after we had had the freaking balcony dive, well, upper deck balcony dive, if you will, from Christian, yep. we got the stuff involving the... The, the, the triple knee pads with the the, the tacks on them. The, the I guess we'll call it the the brutal BTE trigger. I've just made that up on the spot. That'll do. Yep. You've got the brutal style of that. You've got just other other things happening on the ramp. This was really, really, really good fun. There was yeah. part of me that was waiting in a way to see what Christian was going to do. Because the big storytelling element of this match, which I loved so much, was after... Adam Cole got the concerto, what was it, two weeks ago? Yeah. At this point on AWTV. It got to that point in the match again. And Jungle Boy had the opp- was given the opportunity by Christian to do it. It's like, kid, you do it. And he was reaching up to do it. And ultimately, he couldn't pull the trigger. Slight pun intended. Mm. And then ultimately, when you get to the end of the match, and Christian's about to just do it, and it's Jungle Boy that stops him and just goes, I'm ready. And then it's Matt Jackson that's got to take it. And then he hits it and ultimately gets the win. It was just such great stuff. And mm. I also like the fact they've left it open to still have another Jungle Man versus Adam Cole match. And I'm going to keep calling I, I, him... I love, I love how you call him... Hopefully they, they may give him that name change. It's like there is a there is a beautiful Simpsons meme going around with Mo reading a book with pictures of the concerto from Jungle Boy. He was going, <laughs> he was going he's no longer just a Jungle Boy. 
I was a jungle man. <laughs> Do you know, honestly, like, there's, there's part of me because I, I like the subtlety in how Jungle Boy was getting ready for this match because on Rampage, he just appeared with like a bit of a five o'clock shadow, as mm. it were. And it's like, oh, he's not shaved. This must mean he means more business than usual. And then you get to the pay-per-view and it's kind of the same deal. And there's part of me that's thinking, he's no longer Jungle Boy. He's now Jungle Lad. Or something like that. You gotta, you gotta have a deep. You gotta have a deeper version of the of the song. Ooh. <laughs> or maybe get a little bit more emo or something. You know, something make it like a bit. May, may, maybe, maybe like an Evanescence kind of style. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I pulled out Evanescence off the top of my head. I'm a oh. shows my shows my generational age. Shows my generational age. But yeah, this is this is a spot fest match. Spot fest match, which was just all over the place, but it was. It was brutal. It was fun. You had your little moment. You had you had the super clip kiss before they kicked Jungle Boy's mouth full of thumbtacks. Uh, painful. Uh, again, Luchasaurus yeah. shooting Star Press off the ramp. Yeah, people Why being not? dropped onto ladders through tables and stuff like that. It was just you. You you're not wrong by saying this was a spot fest, but it was also a spot fest where it wasn't just a spot fest for the sake of it. Yeah. Kind of everything to a degree had an element of adding to the story, which if you really overanalyze it, which I can do sometimes, it's pretty it's pretty funny. And uh, also, I've just seen a comment uh, in the chat once again from, from Rund, just saying it's funny how the faces were all wearing jeans. I noticed that as well, but like when they were coming out, they very much were dressed for a street fight. And the Young Bucks come out and they're, they're just all in, in all pink and it's like, mm. perfect, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's also, a great, also it's, shout out shout out to Brandon Cutler for managing to spray Nick Jackson's eyes up on the terrace before the balcony dive. Just that, yes. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a familiar spot, but it's the fact he just he doesn't stop spraying the can when it's happening, and he's just going, "Oh no, I'm sorry," <laughs> and then realizes. <laughs> uh, so if if you want extra fun from that match, watch by being the elite because it's like you've got the cut the cam footage on that yeah. match, which is great fun. Um, what else was I going to say about this match? Um, it was a point where they were starting to climb up the set design. Also, side note, as stage construction designer Ian, obviously harking back mm-hmm. from the invasion, mm-hmm. I love a theme set. Right? Thank you for having a theme set of gears. Yes. This is what I wanted. Um, I was kind of just w- wondering who was going to start climbing up. And I really wanted the gears to kind of move because then they could do a, he's grabbed the gear and he's kind of slowly, right. just quickly working up the top. So either it might have been Cole, it might have been Jackson or maybe Jungle Boy just throwing themselves up because I was expecting that to happen the moment people were jumping onto that stage. Didn't happen. Probably for, probably a good thing it didn't happen. I mean, you, but, you want my opinion? They put those gears on that rigging so no one could climb it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, no, no climbing, no climbing, no climbing. It's, <laughs> like, sort of it's, like, it's like, okay, we won't climb that. We won't climb we'll go, that, we'll go, but we we'll will fling ourselves off this ramp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go off the ramp, we'll jump off a balcony, you know. Yeah. Name, name your limit, TK. <laughs> if Goldberg can tackle Lashley off a ramp, we can do better. <laughs> oh, man. But oh, yeah, so ve- anyway. very... Like, you, like we've summed up, very spot heavy, but very good fun. And also, yeah. I will say as well, it, it actually felt like a significant moment for Jungle Man as well, just in general. <laughs> jungle Man. I nearly called him Jungle Boy, ruined my own joke there. But uh, it felt like a very <laughs> significant story moment for the development of Jungle Boy slash man slash lad as an overall presence. It did feel hmm. like a moment where he's like graduated from 
primary school to secondary school or something like that. I don't even say it with a straight face. But mm. it, it did feel like just that that moment. It does make me wonder. Eventually, Christian's gonna get annoyed with Jungle Boy, right? Because he's not jungle man enough. <laughs> there you go. That, that there might you be go. that's a story right there. There you story. go. Sorry, take it. Go creative. Go. Because there is still part of me that that occasionally you see the odd moment where Christian has a little look, like when Jungle Boy does something and it's not firmly spotlit on him. If you look really yeah. carefully, you can notice it. And I'm okay. just wait. I'm waiting for the moment, and that's partly why I was thinking. Like, is this the moment? Like, he's going to give him the chair and then maybe he'll just come and spear him from behind or something. I was wondering, but no, it's okay, mm. not yet. So we're gonna probably going to wrap up this Super Click V. I'll just call it Jurassic Express for now because, you know, Christian might as well... Just add Christian to the group. It's good fun. Mm. So we're probably going to wrap that up and then eventually Christian will probably do something, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, um, we move on to the next match, which I have realized I have not got a banner card for, and it's probably simply because I did not think about this match one iota. <laughs> so we are referring to to to, to Senor Cody of Rhodes, oh, and, yes, and, and Senor Pack, along with Get the Glock on Anderson, defeating Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo, accompanied by Jose the assistant. Yeah, um, I really liked this match, not. The whole like anti Cody stuff at the moment, I'm not fussed about. It's very intriguing to watch, just seeing mm. the reaction. Now Cody is so determined to not get booed. It's actually almost, I almost feel sorry for him in a sympathetic way. And it's like, but, no, <laughs> stop making me feel this way. But he had this, he had that weird pro saying, "Have you have you walked in my shoes? Here's a shoe. Have a shoe." It's like, <laughs> what? Are you, Cody, 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 are you okay? Oh, I actually, you're talking about Cody. Did you see the sign in the crowd at the start of this match, which sent me into hysterics when it just said, Cody Rhodes solved racism? It's just like, what? (laughs) (sighs) But um, but, but anyway, that aside, I really, really enjoyed this tag team match. Pac and Andrade have got great chemistry. Malachi is awesome. Apparently, I think Malachi got some kind of injury during this match, which... Could have fooled me. I don't know what it was, but I there's just a great chemistry between all of these guys. Like Andrade, yeah. I, I honestly I just want to see another pack and Andrade match, quite frankly. Mm. But I actually didn't. This is one of those matches where this could have easily have been saved for dynamite. Yeah. But this being on the pay per view, I totally understood it. But I almost kind of wished it had been on dynamite because it could have easily been the main event of the show. And it would still yeah, be as high, of, high profile. Yeah, I've. It's like, it's an all right match. There's some. There's some really nice spots in it. Um, it's just, I. It's like I kind of see what people say about Cody. The whole the whole audience and Cody thing. I I, I kind of do, and it's like, but then it's like I'm not really, and it's like this has been me with Cody ever since I've been really watching AEW hard. I'm not really that interested in Cody. That's the thing. I I appreciate the wrestling royalty bloodline and all that. I really do. I like the first bits of his feud with Malachi Black because it was a really good told story. But the longer that feud went on, it's kind of, it, it started to kind of disintegrate a little bit. And I know they're trying to kind of cross 
ironically, crossroads a little bit with the Andrade and, and Pack rivalry as well, which has been quite good to watch. But it's just, it's just something just for me, something was a little bit off with this match. I couldn't really get invested in it. If it was like, if it was Andrade versus Pack, I'd probably feel a lot more invested. If it was Cody versus Black again, I, I just, I just kind of would have kind of zoned out. I mean, Black's been him twice now. Why I agree with why, you. Why do we need? Why does this need to continue? But I'd rather see Black go on and and do other things now, and I'd rather see Cody go off and do other things now. It's just they are they are all excellent wrestlers. I just something just didn't really click with me for this match, and I kind of I kind of didn't engage with it as much as I. I hoped I would have, because I, because I, I kind of, because going into it, I, I knew it wasn't going to be an amazing. Like I hoped it would be an amazing match. I kind of felt storytelling was kind of all over the place because we still have, Arn Anderson and the Glock and 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 all that sort of stuff. I mean, yes, that's fun, but it just kind of that that kind of led to bugger all. To be honest. Yeah, I, I hate it's interesting because like I say, I really, really enjoyed this match. Like as a match, I thought this was really, really damn good. Mm. But the thing about Cody, and this is let, let me let me sort of pitch this to you as it were. Okay. The thing about Cody, I've been trying to put like my own personal feelings as to why maybe this is going on. There is an element where, like you say, Cody can feel a bit sort of stale at this point. If we just use that word, it's kind of an easy way to put it. Like the, the stuff with Malachi, their matches are good, but there's an yeah. element where, quite frankly, I just want Malachi to beat him because Malachi yeah. is just far cooler. Mm. But it's like, what do you do with Cody? Like, wh why is it feeling this way? And the whole like Hollywood angle, that's their probably, I assume, their way of spinning it. And it makes total sense to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And obviously, when he came back for one night as the American dream, Cody Rhodes mm. or use that moniker like that was a genuinely heartfelt moment like genuinely really special mm. that was that was, that was um, the Anthony Agogo that's his name <laughs> mm. that was in that match but I think an issue and I use that word very lightly I should say with Cody is that it always feels like he is being presented at a higher bar than absolutely anyone else in AEW Mm. He is the only person that gets the entrance ramp rising up from the ground. Now, Malachi is a slight exception to that because obviously he just appears on the stage, but that's not him just like rising up, getting ridiculous amounts of pyro. There's a build up to his entrance. Mm. There's like there's a very much a show about his entrance, whereas everyone else, for all intent and purpose, gets a quote unquote regular style entrance. Mm. They come out of one of the two tunnels not the center. And there's an element where I think if Cody just came out of a tunnel in the entrance, the first time you see him, it still feels like he is part of the AEW roster as opposed to being almost like a higher bar than anyone mm. else on the roster. And I think just to me, that's always what I feel like. It's like, it's a cool entrance. His entrance music is far too catchy and it annoys me yeah. every time because I'm singing it, even though I really like it. But it was just that feeling in my brain that I feel like they they need to like bring him down a peg. And I don't mean that to sound as harsh as a, as, a, as it comes across, yeah. but I feel like it need, he, there needs to be a more level playing field with ha with his presentation. That's the word compared I to think, the other roster. I think the other thing that has probably kind of made fans a bit wary on this is Cody always eventually gets a win 
all get to the kind of like defining win in a few. Mm. You saw it with the QT Marshall, you saw it with Anthony Gogo, even even though unfortunately I think the match had to change because he was injured. Um and even he got a he got a win against Black as well. And it and it's kind of like it's like say for example, we go back to MGF and Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. If that was a short feud, MGF had won and they go the separate ways, that's fine. Because neither one of them looks weak in in in, in if any one of the, if either one of them lost, they would they would wouldn't look weak. It was just kind of like they had a good match, they had a good little feud. Now they're going to work something else. The thing is, a lot of fan, I think a lot of fans worry the moment Coney gets into a feud with someone who is looking fairly strong or has a connection with the fans like Black, because the moment because the moment Cody comes into the equation, if Cody gets the defining win. It kind of zaps the energy. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's burying the talent, and I think that's and I think that's a little bit too far. But I, I can understand why you look at all of Cody's recent feuds, and he's always had like the defining victory at the end of the day, and it's like it's like it's kind of give and take, to be honest. Mm. So I think if you were to bring him down a little bit to level, have him lose the feud overall to Black. It's have like, him wrestle on Dark as an example. Him, yeah, yeah. There are those little bits and pieces as well. So it's kind of like, hmm. it's kind of like, I think if Cody, I think if the character of Cody and the booking of Cody was more humbling, I suppose, where he talks a big game, he stands up to people, but unfortunately he might fall at the hur- at one hurdle or something. It, it works. But as Rum has just said in the chat, it does give the impression he has a bit of an ego. Yep, going on, especially if he's taking the "I will never turn heel" thing side of things. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, John Cena somehow managed to get away with it in in WWE for a while because of the kids, but the kids, because the kids were really into John Cena, and obviously as a as a kids merchandise seller, John Cena was selling bucket loads. So you can understand why they wouldn't want they wouldn't try and turn him heel. Whereas Cody. I don't I don't see the wrestling youngsters kind of interested in Cody Rhodes. It's kind of like they're interested in Orange Cassidy. You wouldn't dare turn Orange Cassidy heel because the kids think he's fun and cool and kooky and all that sort of and I and I mean that in a way of because of the whole sort of, yeah, he's a bit lazy. He doesn't say much. He does a little thumbs up and all that sort of stuff. It's fun. You can understand why they they could they can see how he interacts with that sort of fan base. Cody doesn't have that. I don't think Cody has that. So why are we why are we trying to bring him as the the great the great uh shining knight of AEW? Why is he kind of like the the lightness that seal hurls all the darkness? I don't know. It just yeah, it's like he's a great wrestler. He really is, but I, it's just it is really hard to invest in him as a character or or as, as a personality on AEW at the moment. It's a very, very fair comment what you just said, and that mm. that lends credence to that mention of like the way he's being presented. He is above yeah. everyone else, and like the word ego is a very good way to put it. The way he comes across, but the thing is though, Cody, when he needs to flick the switch, mm. or what's the point? Just what? Yeah, what's the way to phrase this? When Cody is going to have an amazing match, it's freaking amazing. Like yeah. some of the matches he has had are utterly incredible. But there is a feeling where, it, again, I'm trying to get the best way to phrase it. And I appreciate we're trying to sort of keep somewhat to a decent time tonight. But, yeah. okay, I'll try to put it this way. 
if he were just to tag with Dustin Rhodes for a while, just mm. make that tag team a really solid team and challenge for the tag belt eventually, I think that could be really good fun. Mm. I think it almost needs to be at that point where he's present, but not but not in like it's all about him sort of way. And yeah, you could easily do another brother versus brother thing eventually, but something mm. like that. Because the tag team division is stacked in AEW. And as has been proven with Hangman and Kenny Omega as a tag team, anyone could challenge for the tag belt. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And I think that's probably potentially a really good way to heck in a perfect world, freaking introduce some trios titles, have a six-man tag title. Yeah. Because six-man tags are always nine times out of ten great fun. Mm. I was gonna I, this is a, a slight uh, additional question on the Cody Rhodes. Okay. Uh or booking sort of things. Do you think it's been a little bit of a mistake for him to kind of rule himself out of the world total picture completely by taking that loss to Jericho all the way back in the in the infancy years? Because because you can say, oh, he's being too he's being too humble because he doesn't want to challenge for the belt, but it's like, well, you kind of need to have a drive to become a champion or something like that in wrestling. You 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 <laughs> In storytelling words, you you enter wrestling, you enter the world of sports and table professional wrestling because you want to win a belt. You want to be the world champion. And just by kind of going, I tried to be the world champion, I failed, so I'm going to do the honorable thing and not do anything at all now and kind of just step back. Obviously, there was the TNT title run there as well, which was all right, which was good. You had some really good matches there. Hey, look, look at the open challenge element of it. Literally, yeah. like you just mentioned Kingston. Like, that was yeah. great. It's great. But the fact of the matter is, if if Cody's not doing anything kind of productive towards those sort of means, it, again, I go back to what I said earlier. I find, I, I find it really, really just dull, and I don't want Cody to be dull. I want Cody to be as exciting as as Kenny or as Hangman or as Orange Cassidy and stuff like that. I don't want to just look confused and befuddled and trying to figure out what on earth's going on with him and Arn Anderson and the Glock. I think an issue. I mean, it, so to the, from the world title question that you mentioned specifically, yeah, I think yes and no, and that's mm. not me trying to dodge it because yes, in the perspective of, I think it's really good because it 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 was the first massive stipulation in AEW that has been adhered to. Mm. Like even when Cody got to the top of the rankings at one point after that match, they outright said he can't challenge for the title. So he's number one, but he can't mm. challenge for the title which is yeah. why he ended up going for the TNT title eventually. I really, really like that. And obviously, given that how so many stipulations in wrestling for so many years have just been butchered to where they just do not matter at all, it's really, yeah. it was really nice for something of that magnitude to still be honoured. Mm. But there is also an element to where Cody said he wouldn't challenge for the title. So if you ever want to turn him heel, all he's got to do is change that back. Yeah, and then it's almost like he's gone back on his word or something, and then he doesn't care about the fans or you make up your own lines of dialogue, as it were. Yeah, or it could yeah. even be that he ultimately challenges for the world title because someone challenges him. Yeah, and then maybe that's the way then that you he then accepts the challenge or something along those lines, and then there's maybe that that grey line because mm. people can go, well, you said you wouldn't challenge for it, and he could be like, well. I didn't. They challenged me to a match. Mm. And then, but you accepted. And that, that could be an interesting dynamic for a story, perhaps. But yeah. either way, something needs to happen with Cody. It needs mm. to be... 
again, I hate to say just put him in the background, but he almost just, <laughs> this is an awful thing to say, and I don't mean this to be as harsh as I'm going to say it. He needs to go away again for a while. But when he comes back, not be in the quote-unquote main event area. He needs to mm. just be just be back. You know, oh, so, oh, it's Cody, cool, kind of thing. It doesn't need to be, oh, it's Cody, sort mm. of thing. Uh, Ron makes a good point in the chat. There's, there are, there's lots of interesting stuff they can do with Cody. Now you have Adam Cole history and Kenny Omega history. So again, there's some good storytelling aspects there. Mm. But obviously, if you are building your company around people like Adam Cole and Kenny Omega, then obviously in those feuds, they should be the ones picking up the ultimate to find anyone in the feud. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, let's call it like it is. You actually mentioned him a few minutes ago. Cody Rhodes is the John Cena of AEW. Yeah. That is what it boils down to, 100%. Hmm. But it's ultimately, will AEW, I hate to say pull the trigger is the phrase, but it's the only thing that came to mind. But, but, I'll get but, the Glock. Literally, I'll get but, the Glock, Cody. But will will they pull the trigger? Will they pull the trigger and actually do something to change it? That is going to be I mean, the ultimate question. I mean, yeah, I mean, it might not be, it, again, talking about ego, it might not be an AEW booking decision. The creative might be eagerly telling Cody, please think about going heel. And Cody's just foul going, nah. And that, again, creative choice and all that stuff of rest is absolutely fine. But it's like, we'll have to see how long it carries on. That's the, that's the thing. We'll have to see. But yeah, at the moment, of course, people are going to boo him like he's John Cena, because he because he's becoming stale. It, it, it is a stale. It's it's stale, and I don't like to see it. When wrestlers get stale, they either they have to adapt. So that's how some of the greats survive. Look at Jericho. Look at Jericho, for example. He's reinvented himself time after time after time, and he's rarely gotten stale as a performer. So it can be done. It really can be done. Anyway, let's move up the card. <laughs> so, Women's World Championship. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defeated Ty Conti to retain the championship. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it was a good match, but again, it's like, I think no one in the arena, and I think everyone kind of looking at the match, no one really thought Conti was going to take the belt, to be honest. And I think that kind of robbed a little bit of the drama out of the match. I mean, it's a really good show for Conti. I've only really known her from NXT back when she was part of the roster in the early days. Um, so I've only started to see her wrestle a lot more in AEW. And she has come a long way. I think she's really accomplished. And she had a good showing. Baker took a lot of offense and all that sort of stuff. But the result was never in question. I think that's the thing. And I think that's why sometimes, I think from a storytelling aspect, that's why it probably didn't feel as kind of captivating because it's like yeah there's it's like it's a very short feud it's kind of a filler feud there's not much really to go on and yeah the thing is there are more promising challenges in the wing to be honest uh thunder rosa ruby soho and all that stuff and maybe once the tbs tournament is over we'll get a good idea where who is likely going to be one of the favorites to take the belt off baker yeah, uh, I think that this is an example of like I, I thought the match was all right. I didn't yeah. like my world on fire. There were some really great moments in it. Ty had some really great moments. You could also tell, bless her, that she was freaking nervous. 
Mm. Like the moment when she went on the top rope to do that moonsault where she almost did yeah. like a double foot stomp on both Rebel and Jamie Hayter. Yeah. She literally, I don't think I've seen someone cross their heart so many times in the space yeah. of three seconds. It was quite impressive. She was terrified up there. But yeah. Full credit to her. But this is an example, in my opinion, where the rankings have actually done a disservice to this. Okay. Because... Again, trying to think of the phrasing here because I've started the thought now. Now I've actually got to finish it because the rankings imply that it's the top challenger, but usually that's based on like the win loss record, which I am yeah. all for. But there is yeah. also an element now where lots of people are accumulating wins on dark, dark elevation, and I I do not watch all the shows. I watch Rampage and Dynamite, yeah. so I go by what I see. And I don't feel like, based on what I saw in the run-up to the match becoming a thing, that I saw enough to make Ty feel like a credible challenger based mm. on where she was in the rankings. Now, whether this is because I, you know, obviously it's in my it's completely in my own power to go and watch Dark and Dark Elevation, but they never really show you much from either of those two shows. Like mm. the most that they've shown from one of them on Dark on Dynamite recently was when Sammy got his nose busted open by Scorpio Sky or Ethan Page in the run okay. to the title match a few weeks ago. They showed footage from that because Sammy's face looked like a bit of a mangled mess, so they had to actually explain it. Mm. But I think there is an element where the rankings need to to show their worth. And like with the TBS tournament, for example, the people who got the buy into the next round were all in the in the top five. And Ty was the one that got the title match at full gear. That makes complete sense. Yeah. But, and it also adds more credence to the tournament. But it didn't change the fact, based on what I had seen on Dynamite and or Rampage, I had seen enough for, for it to feel like Ty had justified her opportunity at getting a shot at the championship. That's that. It, hopefully that makes sense as a perception yeah. thing. Because yeah, I think... It does. It's like even like Hikaru Shida, for example, when she became champion, she had some blooming tough matches against Nyla Rose, but mm. it actually built her up as a credible challenger. Mm. And then you look at the match with her and Serena Deeb, and after that, I want to see either of them challenge for the title because yeah. that's how good the match was and how ultimately they were perceived on television. But I don't think we've had that from Ty. Now I've only ever seen Ty in AEW, just for some, just as a disclaimer yeah. there. So I can go only by what I've seen. And I hear lots of people saying she has improved so much. And yeah. she's definitely improved. And I really like her tag team with Anna Jay. And I mm. actually think, not to try and dilute belts even more, I think some kind of more focus on women's tag team wrestling could be really good fun in yeah. AEW. Not necessarily saying for championships, but I think having more of a focus on that could actually really help to build up more people. But I, yeah, to round off my thought and let you actually get a chance to speak, yeah. I think that the way that Ty was presented in the run-up to the championship match is why I never had an inkling in my brain Britt Baker was going to lose. Fair, fair. I think, I think in general, it's just it would be good to see more women's rivalries happen on the main, on the main shows. You can have it on Dark and Dark Elevation, but this is the only women's match on the card, and their roster has grown and is really good. And it's like just just, just to check quickly yeah. for the record, there was a women's match on the pre-show, but was, yeah. let's be, but let's be fair. In the nicest way to put it, that's the pre-show. Yeah, that in the context of this discussion, we're just focusing on the main card specifically. But for the record, mm. 
there was a women's match on the pre-show, but on the main card specifically, just the one match. Yeah, I think Shida and uh, Shida and uh, Thunder Rosa beat Rose and Hater. Hater. Yeah, yeah. So again, four four really good female athletes there as well. Hmm. And it's like I'm surprised it didn't take the Shida deep to the pay per view for that 50th win thing because I think that would have been a great hmm. storytelling thing to do. Um, but yeah, it's just. AEW are getting a lot right. They just they need a bit more focus on the women's division. They really do. And and it's it's improving. It is improving with the TPS tournament because I think they have done a lot more with a tournament than that bloody Queen's Crown tournament. I will say that right they, now. They, they, they did more in one match of mm. their TBS tournament than they did with that entire women's tournament in WWE that you were telling me about previously. Yeah, yeah. Just look so, at the freaking Deeb and Sheeda match in the first round. That yeah. alone is creepy yeah. to that. Yeah, and I'm enjoying the little the, the little rivalry between uh, Red Velvet and, uh, and and Jade Cargill still. Rampage is like, I've brought you a cake for your one-year anniversary. And it's just, yeah, it's a bit of bedlam going on. But again, it's good rivalries. It's really good rivalries that you kind of want to see more on and actually get a really good storytelling spotlight, not sort of relegated to like little bits in Rampage and, and Dark and Dark Elevation. If we can just have a little bit more variety on the main roster or the main shows of Dynamite, I, 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 would, be, I would be happier. But it's just, there's a little bit of work to do. A little bit more work to be done. But again, decent match. Result was never in question. And yeah, I, it was all right. It was all right. Shall double... we? Oh, go, please. Talk. No, no, no. You first, because I was about to move us on. But you had a last. You had a last. No, no. I was actually going to double back because we actually forgot to mention that after the uh, the Cody and Pack v Malakai and Andrade match, the FTR actually came out and attacked Cody and Pack. Yes, that Good is just a minor detail we should make mention of. I am very interested to see where that goes. Yeah, there's that weird that sort of alliance. Could be a fun match. There's that weird sort of alliance between uh, the Pinnacle and Andrade in a way. Which is kind of yeah. like, oh, you help me out, I help you out, sort of way. But it's like, be nice to know where that's going. I mean, I mean it's all it's all it's all about money, literally. It's, it's all just about money. It's like <laughs> it's just such wonderful moments. Like, oh, you know, you get my boys for another two weeks. Give me the money. It's like here you go. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> and no, it's no, like, no, no. and it's more? like, oh, that's not enough. Okay, sorry. Here you go. Okay, <laughs> Jose, give him the more envelopes. There we go. Hmm. But um, yeah, let's move. Let's move away from. Let's move away from this match and move over to. In the space of a week and a bit, an absolute blood feud. <laughs> As JR put it so eloquently on comedy, this was a goddamn fist fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, in terms of other than Paige, other than Paige's match later on in the evening, I think if you had to pick one, one match for storytelling, I think this is it because this was, this is like the, the crowd really what love is a short match, but it's like, it felt perfect. The crowd reactions are really, really good as well. Um, it's a slugfest. A spectacular one at that as well. And I think Eddie, despite defeat, comes off a superstar out of this. And that's a stunning achievement for a few that's had one week and a bit build. Um, and there's other things going on. Eddie had this really, really great article on the Players' Tribune. Oh, about so his good. Oh, about his word. mental health. And... It helps continue that strong connection with crowds. I think just, he he is currently. It's like it's it's eerily similar to how Stone Cold became like the the the, the common person's wrestler. I feel with every sort of 
star turning performance by Eddie. He is getting to that sort of same level because he's just connecting to the crowd because he is just he's a no nonsense guy. He's he acknowledges that he is a fallible and yeah, complicated man, but he will go out and he will still put up his fist and go for the fight. And I really want this feud to continue. I really do. <laughs> CM Punk and Eddie Kingston was just, it's, it was wonderful. Mm. Like the fact it started before the bell with Kingston throwing the back <laughs> fist. It was just, it was, the great thing about this is, like you said, for the short build it had, but it just goes to show how one segment can get everyone talking and can make you want to see two people have a fight. It's all mm. it takes. Just yeah. one... I almost feel like I'm doing like a freaking Eminem rap now, but it takes one moment <laughs> to do this. <laughs> literally, like freaking eight mile. But um, but literally, that, that's all it took. And then they didn't need to do any more, but they had to acknowledge stuff, obviously. Mm, yeah. It was just... The level... Again, trying to think of... I should really prepare my thoughts better on this, but the level of intensity in this match was perfect. Mm. And like, if anyone says, oh, it was only like 11 minutes long, it's like, it's all it needed to be. Yeah. It was 11 glorious minutes. It didn't need to be any more. It did everything it, it could under the sun. The amount of times they flipped each other off was wonderful. I want there to be, <laughs> I want someone to do the match with a bingo counter. Like just a counter every time they flip each other off. Just the just again, it just the level of brutality without it being weapon filled either. Yeah. It was it was oh, I don't want to say it like this, but it's an easy way to sum it up. It felt so real. Yeah. And so it really did. And it's not taking away from anything else, but this this is a thought I actually wanted to say at the top of the show, which I forgot to mention. The beauty of this show, regardless ultimately of what we thought of the respective matches, is virtually every single match on the card was so different from from the other. Yeah. You look up and down this show, nothing feels like it was the same. And that yeah. is a testament that cannot be taken away from this show. This is a prime example of something standing out so much, despite how stacked of a show it was. It was freaking incredible. Mm. And you could, tell yeah. that, you could tell Eddie was having a great time as well. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, probably Absolutely. both of them in fairness. I mean, I don't know if you saw Punk at the post-match press conference that he did, like the, the media scrum, but he had to like, everyone, everyone else stood up on the stage. He just came on with a chair and just went, oh, <laughs> sat down because you could tell he went through a fight. Oh, this, oh this, the, it was, there was the weird kind of John Cena-esque moment as well. That, where, that was oh. so good. So this is the other thing that's interesting. And this was, I can't remember who said this actually, but it sums it up perfectly. This match was, in terms of how the crowd were reacting, it was so similar to WrestleMania 18 with The Rock and Hogan. Yeah. And again, this isn't, this isn't my point. I'm not taking credit for this. I just want to make sure it's conveyed. Yeah, I think, but, was it Tony Khan who made that sort of comparison? I think it might have been, actually, yeah. It but it, been, was yeah. Like, it was because they were behind one or the other, then they were mm. just behind Eddie, then they switched to Punk, and then they were back to Eddie, and by the end of it, both men were loved again. It was... So wonderful. Mm. I really want to go back yes. and watch it now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> just again. I'm just excited to see what happens. It's like, if I, I really, really would like more of this or just more of the blood feud because this is like a good, good blood feud we haven't seen in AEW for a while. And it's like, this is good. <laughs> so it's interesting because, and this isn't me just skipping over the match, by the way, because it is, it was, it's literally one of those matches if you've not seen it, 
go out of your way to see this. We can't do it justice. It's yeah. that great fun. But when it mm. comes to where they go next, Kingston lost to Danielson and didn't shake his hand. He mm. lost to Punk, wouldn't shake his hand. Personally speaking, if we don't see these two fight again for a while, I'm totally fine with that. Mm. But I think what Eddie needs to do next is he's either... Again, trying to think of the thought. I feel like, like you're, he needs to almost aim for a higher level now. Because yeah. he's faced the two top guys. He's almost got a challenge for the TNT title at this point. Yeah. I think the people are saying, oh, you could turn him heel. It's like, I don't think crowds will boo him. I, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like a Becky Lynch situation. It's like the wrestler has managed to connect themselves with the fans so much to being like a badass to the point that, let's go, they're supposed to be the villain. Boo them. No, we like him. We think he rocks. We, he kicks the, ass. That's what we want to see. The thing is, though, as as Punk and Kingston respectively have proved, whatever way they want the crowd to think of them, they can freaking do it. Mm. The match proved it. The segments proved it. Because that segment on Rampage when those two had the face-to-face, yeah. the amount you could literally think either way as to who you're meant to like out of yeah. the two of them. It was that that close to the line as to which way you should be thinking about it. Yeah, because... If they, the way- if they wanted to turn Kingston heel, I reckon they could do it, but the problem they've got now, and I mean this in a positive way, that article that you talked about, I think it was the... I want to say it's the People's Tribune that it was published yeah, on. Yeah, I believe it's the People's yeah, Tribune. So, yeah, something along those lines. That article, no one can boo him now. No one no. will boo him. No. No, I, I just think that the article, can, along with how well this mini feud has gone I, I i can't i can't see crowds wanting to boo him they want to see him succeed they want they want to rally behind this sort of people's champion in a way hypothetically speaking and i mean this with the greatest respect as well mm. obviously wishing all the best wishing john moxley all the best in his recovery like you mentioned earlier but mm. hypothetically speaking and i'll phrase it this way just for devil's advocate's sake if mm. slash when john moxley returns yeah, who in their right mind will boo him? Yeah, because I think they were they were trying to set him up for a heel turn, yeah. and I think we probably would have seen it happen at full gear if he got through to the final yeah. to face Danielson. Because but, there but, were but, moments- but now, who on earth will boo him? No, no one will. And again, it's like again, it's like a strange, fortunate timing of things. It's like, and it, it's I say for I, I obviously this, that sounded a bit wrong. Sorry, considering. No, no, I, I get, I, I get what you mean. It's, I mean, I it's you a, mean. it's, it's a cool, it's a, a series of events that have just come together at that time. Obviously, Moxley go off to goes off to rehab, but he also has a book, and that book is being celebrated by wrestlers and fans, like because it feels so honest. It feel it from what I hear, it comes across so honest, and you can. T- I mean, I've seen one or two pages from the book and just glanced at it and say, yeah, that's John Moxley writing this book. Mm-hmm. It, it it generally feels real. It's like, and that kind of makes me more more eager to read this book when I have the chance, because mm-hmm. it's just like I think I think I will. I think out of a lot of books I read, I think I probably will enjoy this one a lot as a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think that yeah, like like you said, like you said, Jeremy, we can't really do this match justice. You really have to go and see it. And so. because that was that, that was a fight in itself, and from mm. there we go to a Minneapolis street fight. At that point, well, which, <laughs> well, well, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll come to that in a second. But we should also make note: 
I want to just give a big, big hearty, awesome to see him, for Baron Von Raschke. Yes. That was, that was a really lovely. fun moment before the match. And then what occurred during the match when he grabbed Ethan Page by his face was great. Yes. There's um on the uh, Fallout YouTube video from AEW, there's a nice little like three, four minutes about Bon Von Ra- Bon Von Raschke. Uh, and they, Von and Raschke, they talk, yeah. yeah, they talk about his influence and so forth. So you see him see him chat to some of the staff there as well. It's really it's really nice and cool. But yeah, Minneapolis street fight. Can you really call it a street fight when everyone's politely waiting on the ring apron for about 10 minutes before everything just goes to shit? <laughs> You see, I almost think so. Here is my theory. Here is okay. my here is my wrestling fan fantasy booking because I clearly know everything better than anyone. Theory because of how damn good that Kingston and Punk match was. Yeah, I think they may have done that in the end just to try and help settle everyone back down for a few yeah. minutes. Because how do you kind of like the opener? Who wants to follow that? <laughs> Quite mm. frankly, nobody. So that's my thoughts yeah. on, on on that on as to why there was actual wrestling. I mean, street fight. I mean, once everything started going bananas, it was silly fun. It mm. it wasn't like amazingly silly fun, but it was just like little ha ha random moments. It's like a toaster got over with the crowd, <laughs> and I see memes of the brave little toaster is now all elite <laughs> and bunt cakes, bunt cakes as well. <laughs> Tony Schiavone just going, oh, I really love a good bunt cake. It's like, are you okay, Tony? Are you okay? I mean, look, they were, they, were, they were having to do commentaries through the show. They were probably just all high as a kite on energy at that point, and adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah, but again, lots of nice little moments. Obviously, when the weapons come out, you've got hockey sticks, a nice variation of weapons as well. So it wasn't just like still like chairs and bins and so forth. We've got the Prince hockey... logo. <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs> You know? Oh, they could—they could have called it the Purple Rainmaker when they smashed people with armor. <laughs> so, the interesting thing about because obviously the big thing about this was obviously the American top team representatives: Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, and then obviously Dan the Edward. number the number one member based on when the thing started, as as was alluded to earlier in that week, Dan Lambert. I thought the MMA guys did great. Junior Dos Santos, yeah. he can't not smile. And it's wonderful, but I couldn't not like him. It's he like, looks so I'm... happy. <laughs> and then He's there's like, Andre Alonso. Yeah, and then there's like... Andre. Poor Jake Hager having to deal with the MMA fighters basically in this throughout. You could tell he was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna have a rough night at the office on this." But uh, I actually, I, again, I can't remember who mentioned this thought, but Ethan Page deserves a proper medal in this match because uh, it's again. Can't remember who said this point, but I, I'm not taking credit for it. But he was very much an, a such a massive piece of glue for this mm. match, just continuously going places. Everyone did their part. Obviously, all the inner circle guys did their stuff, were fantastic. Everyone played their part and did it to the best of their ability. Especially like Dan Lambert, ultimately getting his own comeuppance was freaking fantastic. And his nice but velvet Ethan, velour tracksuit. <laughs> it hurt my eyes looking at it. Um, but but Ethan Page was involved in so much in this match, and just the amount. When you look back and look at the amount of stuff he was involved in, and just kind of where he was and what he was doing, you could tell he was putting in a proper shift in this match, and it was wonderful mm. to see. Because I'm a big Ethan Page fan, especially of, like of his toy toy hunt vlogs. They're great fun. Mm. But um, but th- this match, 
was really good fun and was exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. And, and again, not just trying to gloss over it as well, but it was just exactly what it needed to be. There was there was crazy stuff, different kinds of weapons, a nice variety. The crowd had good fun, and ultimately, you got to see Dan Lambert get his own, which is yeah, cool. nice little tribute to Eddie Guerrero as well. There were several throughout the day, throughout the show on that one because I think that, I think it took place the same day. Uh, unfortunately, Eddie passed away many many years ago. So you have these little moments. There was a going rolling back over to the FTR match. There was this great old moment where I think it is Dax trying to do the Free Amigos, failing after two, and then I think Penta goes, no, 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 I'll do this. <laughs> he does it I mean, look, he just... with, with the best will in the world, I love Penta. On the scale of how good were the Three Amigos, these were not very high up the scale. But but that but that moment when you mentioned like the way the match ended in the Minneapolis Street Fight with Jericho doing the Frog Splash, yeah such a good moment and yeah, yeah to, to elaborate on what you said i believe if memory serves the event took place on the anniversary of the day that eddie guerrero passed away but was also in the same city that he oh. passed away in okay so there was a literal connection to that show mm. i think that i think the two tribute shows that wwe did they had a raw and smackdown taping originally booked for that day mm. they ended up just doing it like two eddie guerrero tribute shows instead on that double day of tapings mm. So it was actually in the same building where the original tribute show happened as well. And just like okay. Jericho afterwards, like looking up to, to Eddie and stuff. It was so yeah. good. Yeah. It was such a wonderful so night. It's a nice, a nice little, a nice sort of feel good cap to finish this feud. Hopefully uh, as much fun as this match was in terms of silliness, uh, let's stop this feud and, and, and go off. Well, Sammy Guevara is going to be busy on Wednesday. That's not that's not surprising after this pay-per-view. Uh, because <laughs> yeah, because I haven't got a, I haven't got a slide for this, but yeah, between this event, this match and the main event, new sign-in alerts, Jay Lethal has arrived. Uh Jay, I know, Jay I'm, Lethal is all elite. Yes, yes. Came out very, very happy, happy to be there. Challenged Sammy immediately for the title. Just saying, I was like, I've come through the forbidden door, but I also hear there's open challenges. And I want to face Sammy. The, he's come from the forbidden door after he was let go from his ROH contract because everyone was let go from their contract. Not mm. making light of that, just stating what it is. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. Obviously, it's a giant mixed bag, that. Yeah. So, okay. The Jay Lethal signing. I'm going to try and be delicate with how I phrase this, and there's a reason. So bear with okay. me. Okay. Um, for the record... Gonna... Oh, go on. I was just going to say for a precursor, I have not watched any Jay Lethal matches. So okay, that's cool. Like, so I, I will say this: so like, I've like, seen I've yeah. seen a lot of Jay Lethal's career. I like Jay Lethal as a wrestler. Mm. Like I, I I will say this: I've never been massively into Jay Lethal. Like in in when he was in TNA, he used to do uh, he was Black Machismo, which was a massive Macho Man Randy Savage kind of tribute thing. Mm. And so Cal Val was his equivalent of Miss Elizabeth. In fact, his music was a play on Randy Savage's theme song when he came out by the way. Yeah. Not sure if you caught that, but so they, yeah, they might go down that angle. Like Jay Lethal is a really good, solid hand when it comes to wrestling. Really mm. decent wrestler. But there is an element that needs to be acknowledged here, which I saw online and I will not be one of those people who will not mention this. In that there have been some allegations against Jay Lethal in relation to the speaking out movement. Okay. Now, I, I do not know what they are personally, but I have seen people mention it and are really annoyed that AEW have signed him. 
and also annoyed that and no one in the in the press room during the media scrum did not bring this up at all mm. when he was on stage. I'm just stating that for the record. Yeah, I, I... In terms of my personal things, to it, I don't know what the allegations are. I'm not going to try and make a comment based on what I don't know. But I felt uh, that had to be acknowledged. Yeah, um, I think I did see some communications. Or, or I did not say, I've seen some sort of tweets alluding to it again i'm with you i uh, i'm i'm in the same i'm in the same situation as you i do not know what the what the lengths behind those allegations are and all that sort of stuff and yes uh if obviously it becomes more of a press thing we'll probably we will probably hear more about it in the coming days or maybe week, maybe week or so and, and so forth so yeah the, it, you're right it's you you can't just ignore this it is it is something to bear in mind um so yeah yeah, and, the, the, and not, yeah and, there's no there's no there's no unfortunate easy way to come out of that but no, 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 there, there really thing. isn't but it's one yeah. of those things and sorry to cut off but it is just one of those things where it's like got to acknowledge it like the mm -hmm. fact he's in the company but i will not shy away from the fact this is a thing yeah and i again i'm not making any other comments on it because i don't know the details that have been alleged and I mm -hmm. won't make another comment until I know any further, were I to, as it were. Yeah. But like I say, from an in-ring wrestler point of view, really, really solid wrestler. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say he should have been world champion. I've not seen a lot of his work for like the past five years or so, because there's only so much wrestling you can watch and stuff. But mm -hmm. there was a point where he was so freaking popular in TNA as the Black Machismo thing. But I'm glad he managed to break out of that shell and very much carve his own path as yeah. Jay Lethal. And it was honestly from like a from the nostalgia point of view for me of like having seen him like in the early days of ROH as Hydro as part of the Special K faction, which were basically just a bunch of high school kids high on drugs most of the time and whatnot, and just getting mullered by low key in mm. Ring of Honor. That's good fun. Look up. I think it's Death Before Dishonor, the event in two thousand and three. There is a wonderful opening segment where low key just demolishes Special K. It's freaking fantastic. I digress. I I think I think. The way I feel, the way it's been presented, and kind of on reflection of of knowing what I, I I do know about some of his matches and career, I kind of feel he's just coming in as more of a uh, what's the word? It's probably more of a legacy signing sort of thing. So basically, and it's an established name. It's there to help probably with the existing talent probably get mm -hmm. over. So it, it's like I think if it was a massive signing, like say Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole, all out. It would be probably done a lot more grander and a lot more holy shit mm. side of things than just saying, "Hey, we've got a signing. It's all Jay Lethal. Come on out, let's have a chat." Mm. That sort of stuff. But yeah, so yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how things pan out on the on the. Lethal I front. will say though, I'm looking forward to the match with Sammy. I'm very yeah. curious to see how it comes across I'm and curious. just how it comes up in general. Yeah. But anyway, so from there, let's get to some cowboy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so the main event was for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Kenneth Omega, along with Donovan Callis, mm. defending against the cowboy, the hangman, master of cowboy shit, Mr. Adam Page. Mm -hmm. I, first of all, have to acknowledge something, Ian. Adam Page's entrance legitimately was wonderful. Him mm. riding down the street on the horse to the target center. I genuinely was welling up and I welled mm. up during this match and after it, because as we alluded to at the start of the show, this was the culmination of years of storytelling from my point mm. of view, pre AEW, 
This goes back way further. And it just felt like such a wonderful story that was encapsulated. And the way it was, to sort of jump to the finish for a moment, the way it was ultimately brought full circle after ha him having cost the Young Bucks a tag team title shot, then the mm. Young Bucks having cost him a shot against Kenny for the title. And the way it came full circle with the on Rampage the night before, him basically going, look, I cost you a match, you cost me a match. As far as I'm concerned, we're even, but you even do anything tomorrow night. Like, you touch me tomorrow night, you'll live to regret it. And the fact they both came down, they had the opportunity, and ultimately it was Matt that basically gave him a nod to say, mm. effectively, to kind of take a Mortal Kombat thing here, effectively just go finish him. Mm. <laughs> and then he did the buckshot. It was... It was such a wonderful moment. And then when the Dark Order came out, and like that was at that point, there were legit tears. It's just like, oh no, don't don't make me cry. Don't make me. And then they it's hugged. Just, it's it's the nice sunshine. Do you want a beer? Nah, I just want to hug. Come bring it in. Yeah. Bring it in. There's a so there's, good. There's a beautiful uh video uh, from the the Fallout video where it catches up with Paige, Paige is still in the ring after the cameras have gone off there. And he just does a massive sort of thank you. He sort of he just kind of reflects on the on the successes and failures and just say when he's failed, he's unfortunately told himself a little a little white lie saying I'd be the first AEW champion. I kind of lied to myself. And he kind of he kind of sort of uh, ended up with just be saying, I'm gonna tell one more little lie. And this time I know it's a lie. I'm gonna hold on to this belt for as long as I live. So it's kind of like <laughs> it's like he's he's just embracing the moment. Um yeah, the entrance is perfect. I think the thing that that pretty much almost got me is the graphics team. Oh, mate, when that happened as well, and you just saw what was it? We're it proud said? of you. <laughs> yeah, like we're proud of you, graphics team. It's like, oh, <laughs> just it's like you. Oh, it's like you. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, literally. It was like if you weren't already mm. emotional and you like that, that in a weird way, that was the moment when it was like, this is really big. Like yeah. that's almost kind of when it really sank in. I was this this was already a big match, mm. but for some reason that little touch on the graphics for me mm. was just that moment of, oh man, that that's just made this feel even more real. Yeah, weird as it is to say that, and the match itself was such an emotional roller coaster. The, the part where I think was one of the times that I alluded to earlier where I just openly like swore and just went shit or something was when Hangman went for the buckshot and just ate a V trigger. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like two point nine 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 nine. I think the thing. I think the thing. A lot of because it'd been kind of pondered a little bit on like on on the other channels. So like uh, Russell talking about that. It's like if Danielson won the Eliminator, could Omega be retaining? So we have that Danielson Omega too. Hmm. And it's like you kind of go, they're not. They they aren't, are they? It's like not not saying it's a bad thing, but it was just kind of like. It really put you. It, I think when that result came in, you kind of go, "Oh, this might not be a, a one and done deal. This could, this mm. might not end the way we hope it may do." So he might have an amazing showing from Page, but he still might fall short again. Thankfully, didn't happen. Mm. Um, no, it's it, it is a bit of a roller coaster. Page doing the one winged angel on Kenny was was something because you think, "Oh, he's going to kick out the one wing. He's going to kick out of Kenny's one wing angel." No, no, going to do his own one. Which Kenny kicked out of. <laughs> so good. And mm. just, yeah, just, this is another one of those matches where you really just need to see it. Yeah. And it isn't just to, to, to try and avoid talking about it. It was just such a ride, to say the least. And I'm just, I'm genuinely really happy that 
Paige's champion. Mm. Omega has been fantastic as a champion. Like from the moment mm. he beat John Moxley on that last, I think it was the last Dynamite of the year. Mm. Like it was just it, it, and the fact that he was robbed, he robbed John Moxley of the belt. And we've never, aside from the death match, we've never really had a follow up to that since. Yeah. Which to talk about what you were saying about Danielson winning the tournament, it makes you wonder: was Moxley gonna win this? And maybe, and maybe cheat to win as well. Maybe I think I think as a, if I was doing sensible wrestling booking, obviously Hangman is a bona fide babyface, white hot babyface. You need it's good to sort of have a good established babyface and heel dynamics in this. So I was I was thinking Moxie would win the tournament and become heel and then take on Hangman. Again, even when it changed to Miro, I'm still kind of thinking Miro could have a shock win mm-hmm. and have a shot against Paige. And even though Paige probably wouldn't drop the belt in either circumstance, it would still be a good, it'd still be a good sort of heel face dynamic. Having Danielson is kind of like a, a weird thing, but I think if you're going to sort of start your, your reign off right and beat Brian Danielson, take it. To be honest, well, hold that thought for a second that you just said there. So, because I will yeah. say the other reason I reckon it may have originally been Moxley is because in that casino ladder match, it mm. was it, the final two people at the top of the ladder were Hangman and Moxley. Mm. So there was a legitimate gripe for Moxley. Have, he had a legitimate gripe against Hangman because he ultimately got the shot at Kenny and dethroned him, mm. and so Moxley could have just been a bit bitter about it or something, but. Danielson challenging. This is what I wanted to mention earlier when I kind of alluded to having a thought about this. Hmm. Danielson has a championship match, but we don't know when for. Hmm. So he may not necessarily be the first challenger for Adam Page. He might just keep it in his back pocket for a little bit. Maybe, or they might just say it'll be like the first Dynamite of the year or something. But then Page may still say, I want to defend the belt before before that. Maybe even kind of, maybe he'll get a bit heated. Like, I mean... Again, when we're we're recording this and broadcasting this, Dynamite takes place in about what five six hours or so. Yeah. So it may be a case. Maybe he'll just get a little bit you know big for his boots and just say, "Ah, oh, I want to get one defense under my belt before I lose it." Or something. I <laughs> I think in terms of of Hangman Defender, it's like, have you seen the the memo he released? Um, have you got <laughs> it handy? I haven't got it to hand. I will find it when but he mentioned. Memo, the- when he mentioned no, don't make one. me fight Wardlow and his hard tits or something like that, it was just so funny. But but yeah, this match though, while you're looking for that, just to buy you some time, it, it, it's it was such good fun and it paid off so much great storytelling. As we were talking about earlier, AEW rewards you for paying attention and really mm. investing your time and energy. And for me, like I said, this goes before AEW, and it was just such a fun ride, and I loved every single moment of this. I was an emotional wreck at the end of it, but mm. it was just—it was finally that payoff that we want, that I wanted, I and mean, I let's say we wanted because it's what we've been clamoring for. I think I have it here. Two seconds. I'll see okay. if I can be up on the screen. You might not be able to see it clear enough, but you'll—you'll you'll see that it is one. It is wonderful. Uh, <laughs> let us bring in uh, this one. Uh, and allow, and let's bring it in here. <laughs> here you are, <laughs> the wonderful <laughs> memo from Hangman Adam Page. I'm going to see if I can zoom in a little bit here. 
Oh, it's like I'm zooming. It doesn't want to let uh, uh, balls. Never mind. Have, have no fear. Uh, I think I've got a copy over here, so I'll, I'll try and yeah. I'll try and read a couple of bits. So, after celebrating yeah. his championship win over Kenny Omega at AEW Full Gear by sharing 17 orders of baby back ribs from Chili's with the Dark Order, answering 74 congratulate congratulatory text messages, and two asking them to get booked on Dark. <laughs> and obnoxiously snoring his way through two early morning Delta airline flights home, Hangman Adam Page has decided to share his thoughts about his intentions as AEW world champion. Point one. Hangman Adam Page is declaring that Wednesday, November 17th, as the first National Cowboy Shit Day, exclamation mark, which reads, pending approval from the National Day Archives, which I really doubt is going to happen since their last correspondent simply their last correspondent simply said, stop emailing us about this. <laughs> uh, with celebrations live from his home state of Virginia this week on Dynamite. Point two, Hangman Adam Page will continue to increase his strength in cardiovascular training and additional dynamic and static stretching to his routine to limber out his rigid frame and study the vegan diet in order to prepare for the number one contender, Brian Danielson. Point three, as Hangman Ad as champion, Hangman Adam Page will welcome all other challengers as AEW sees fit, but please God don't make him fight Wardlow as his big and his big muscle tits again. Point four. <laughs> Was that point four? I've lost count. Yes, point four. After seeing the unofficial, unauthorized, and most brilliant display of I don't give a shit about copyright, the good, the bad, and the elite series on YouTube, <laughs> Hangman Adam Page will use his new leverage as champion to get that guy a job, or at the very least, a nice letter and a fruit basket. <laughs> Point five. With bonus payment that comes with winning the AEW World Championship, Hangman Adam Page will trade in his gas-guzzling truck for an electric vehicle in an effort to reduce <laughs> an effort to reduce plant-warming emissions and encourage others to make the switch when they see how badass it looks to steer horns mounted on the front or whatever. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Point six. Hangman Adam Page would like to send a genuine heartfelt thank you to the many fans that never gave up on him, even when they gave him every reason to. They've helped him uh, even, yeah, sorry, they've helped him accomplish more than he had ever imagined. If you would like to hear more of Hangman Adam Page's thoughts on his recent championship win, quote unquote, tell them I ain't doing any more of those podcasts as long as I live. You think I want to be on the Don and Cookie YouTube show or whatever? Yeah, right. Get a clue. I'm champion now. I'm, I'm champion now. I got so much shit to do. I'm already so stressed. End quote. There's a beautiful thing in the actual Hangman page logo at the top of the page. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but it's the way it's said a series of poorly spelled text to an unpaid intern at 4 a.m. formatted into a press release to convey the thoughts of the newly crowned AEW champion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, that... in, a, in a weird way, I want a dramatic reading of this on Dynamite. <laughs> You'll just, you'll just probably just be there, just with the celebrations, just going. All right, for my first memo, I'm not doing podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, fightful. <laughs> sort of oh, amazing! Oh, uh, but yeah, but, I'm so happy he's champion, though. So happy. But, but overall, it's a really good main event. The story comes full circle. It's a perfect, it's a perfect, full stop to that story. And now it's like. Again, usually after ends of AEW pay-per-views, you're excited for where it goes forward, really. So, yeah, that that is that was full gear in a nutshell. Really good pay-per-view, some really great matches, some great mm. storytelling, some small missteps, but overall, still a very, very good show. A very, mm. very good show indeed. 
I'm just going to try and look up Tony Khan's Twitter so we can have a quick preview of what's on Dynamite. Mm. Oh, we've got um, um, we've got Danielson versus Evil Uno. That's going to be really good fun. I'm that's actually really looking forward to that. So uh, I think I think Butcher and the Blade are up against Wheelie Utah and someone from Chaos. Oh no! So yeah, that match it's Butcher and Blade against Orange Cassidy and New Japan Pro Wrestling's Tomohiro Ishii, which Ian. Have you ever seen Tomohiro Ishii? Not really, no. So I think I might be into it for a treat. It's going to be good fun. Oh, good. Let's just say he's very much of the strong style variety of New Japan oh, good. wrestling. Wonderful. So he likes to hit people. Uh, I, know we, I know we haven't really talked about some of the stuff that's happened in the build AW, but can we just talk about the Suzuki match? Danielson Suzuki. Mate, so good. That's just... I, it's the thing. The thing that I just loved about it was the fact that it was kind of like you hit me, smack. All right, all right, all right. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. You hit me. It hurt a little. I can do better. Smack. <laughs> it's, it's the, it was the headbutt. It's like Danielson does a headbutt, and, and so just goes, "Nah." It's like that's not a headbutt. This is a headbutt, and throws him with it. Suzuki is so good. Like that match was like catnip for me. It was so damn good. Oh, so beautiful. I've got the lineup here for Dynamite for you. Yeah. This is based on just a tweet I found from someone. Okay. So as you, as you mentioned, Brian Danielson versus Dark Order's Evil Uno. Mm-hmm. The Butcher and the Blade versus Orange Cassidy and Tomohiro Ishii. Mm-hmm. The Acclaimed versus Dante Martin and Leo Rush. Of which, mm-hmm. gotta say, and it needs to be said... The Matt Seidel and, oh, I've forgotten his name, Lee Moriarty versus Leo Rush and Dante Martin match with Dynamite last week. Holy crap, what a match. Mm. <laughs> Just needed to say that. We will have, <laughs> the, for the TNT Championship, Sammy Guevara defending against Jay Lethal. Mm-hmm. And quarterfinal match in the TBS Championship, Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida. Oh, that'll be a good one. So yeah, it could be a, a, a nice packed, stacked dynamite. Yes, episode. and obviously the celebration of natural, uh, uh, National Cowboy Shit Day. <laughs> I, the amount of times we're probably going to hear the word shit on this dynamite. I'm looking forward to it. TV 14, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> there you go. So obviously, <laughs> I suppose before we begin to bring this to a close, mate, I think it's obviously both love the pay-per-view, go out of your way to watch it if you haven't seen it already. Yeah. Definitely worth, at the very least, seeing some of the matches, even if not all of them. Yeah. Where do things go from here? Obviously, mm. from the Kenny Omega point of view, it, I fully it, he is taking some time off, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know if you take some. I don't I know if you've seen. Got after you, mate. Um, no, I think he's taking some considerable time off because I think you're you're about to say the same thing as I have. Um, they've but Bo High Tower. Yeah, they've released yeah. the sort of they released that sort of they've released the video of the 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 chiropractor sort of stuff that he's had to go through to kind of still be able to do do the stuff that he's been doing. So considering he's been because I think another thing it was what he was surf, suffering from vertigo for a good for a yeah. good period of So obviously having to still wrestle matches while still having issues with balancing and so forth. That's, that's how that's, that's how in, good he is. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, yeah. you know if he if he took several months off just to heal up fine he's earned it he really has hmm. after, after this year so i mean the, i mean obviously kenny is going to be taking taking a bit of a break so what happens with the elite so here is my prediction okay kenny kenny is going to be away for a while because uh-huh. you could argue now that the young bucks have betrayed kenny yeah 
So I reckon that will come back at some point. But the bigger mm. feud in the elite at the moment is ultimately going to be Adam Cole and Kenny Omega. Yeah. And the Young Bucks probably having to choose a side. But in the short yeah. term, this is how I see that going. So I, I, I mean, think- I mean, there are also a little other little factors that may play into that storyline, in particular in regards to one potential WWE contract expiring in January. Maybe. Is this one- Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, K- Kenneth Owen Owenzi? Yes, yes. And Mount Rushmore like... might be reformed in AEW, to oh, be honest. Please. I mean, obviously, nothing's confirmed or mm-hmm. signed or sealed or delivered. Who knows? I mean, at the moment, Kevin Owens is having a, a nice little stint on Raw as kind of like a troubled sort of, I want to be a good guy, but everyone thinks I'm a bad guy, so I'm going to be a bad <laughs> guy thing on Raw, which... He's having some good matches with Seth Rollins and Big E and, and Finn Balor at the moment. So it's like one of the small little glistering highlights of WWE at the moment. Mm. But, but no, I, 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 sense he's, I sense he's probably heading off, to be honest. I mean, the fact of the matter is he's, he's, had, he's had a nice little run in WWE. Just, something just to refresh maybe the, the batteries. I mean, the fact, the fact is rest, when you see wrestlers leave WWE and they move over to things like AEW or, or, or New Japan Pro Wrestling, they just feel reborn. They yeah. just feel like reborn. You look at Mo- Moxley, he's the, one of the best examples of that. It's like you go from Mikey Dean Ambrose to mur- absolute murder machine John Moxley. <laughs> You were about to say murder hawk, weren't you? Then you remember that was Lance Archer. Not Lance Archer. (laughs) I think I get. I have fans a bit annoyed with me putting that, but no, murder machine's a good thing as well. Murder machine's a great name for a tag team. Oh, I I love, I love, I love how in New Japan Pro Wrestling, they when they announced Mox, there was a the Death Rider. So So, yeah, it's like Paradigm Shift is Death Rider. I like that. No, no. You see, this is what that's technically correct, but not so. Mm. Oh. Here is really anal wrestling fan Jeremy getting into play now. So if he does the double arm DDT regular yeah. style, that is the paradigm shift. Yeah. If he picks them up and drops them on his head like a DDT, that's the Death Rider. Oh. But because the Death Rider is technically a New Japan move, they never Begun. call it that on AEW. They just call but it an I- elevated paradigm shift. Yeah, basically, yeah. But that's okay. literally what it—that's that, that, right. literally what it is. But yeah, his nickname in New Japan is the Death Rider, mm. so it makes it makes total sense. But it's just—it's a tiny little detail which is never really brought up anywhere. But it's one of those things that if you've noticed it, you've noticed it. So mm. that's why whenever he does it, I'm just like Death Rider. I think I like, have the Death Rider T-shirt somewhere, like the the New Japan mocks mm. one. I definitely brought it when he started, and I don't know why I've put it. <laughs> but the fact is my, my, my Christmas list is made up of many different AEW t-shirts at the moment it's like I think I think family might be a bit concerned if they see the cowboy shit t-shirt on the wish list like, honestly I'm, I'm so tempted to order one at this point mm, I just, I just that's really, really good one. there's some good t-shirt designs there it's like I need to afford it yeah, I, w- I wanted to get like some of the, the, the we're gonna be wrapping up in a second so I might as well just yeah. say it on air but I really wanted to get some of the Street Fighter AEW ones but it's just a point where I've only got so much money yeah, I I really wanted the the mock skull one, and I, I just oh, couldn't. would you I, like a little tidbit of that, by the way? Oh, go on. So I because I at one point I didn't have very much going on during a day, so I was looking at some responses to like the, the final tweet being like final reminder, you know, don't forget yeah. to buy your shirt. And someone basically asked, "Will any of these T-shirts go on sale again?" And I think it's the Nerds Clothing Company who they're who they're collaborating with. They mm. just responded with maybe dot dot dot. 
So you may get another chance in the future to be able to order it. I don't know that okay. for a fact. That's just me going based on what it I saw might, on Twitter. It might be it might be a slight tweak of design or something to make it not as special. Variant. Probably. Yeah, probably a variant, which is fine. Give, give me that Kami Hikari Shida one. That's the one I want. It looks so mm. cool. Yeah, but with like, that it... being, oh, go on. Sorry. No, 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 no. I was I was musing random things. It's fine. Let's wrap up. Let's wrap That's up. Cool. So, folks, that is going to wrap up this edition of Bunker Mania, where we have been talking about AEW's full gear. We are going to be back. It's Wednesday next week, isn't it, Ian? I think yes, same now time, same time, same place, same bat channel. Wait, Twitch, <laughs> Twitch, yes, same Twitch channel. That's fine. We'll be talking about the WWE Survivor Series 20 of 21. Full disclosure, I've watched no WWE recently. The only thing I am aware of, Ian, just to kind of, not to elongate this more, but just to kind of set, set an expectation. I'm aware that they announced a bunch of Survivor Series teams randomly on a Saturday with no warning on Twitter. And yep. now like, and now various members of, of all the teams have changed. Yes. Basically, it's like, it's the one night of the year where Raw and SmackDown go head to head. But we changed the rosters three weeks before this event, so why should we care? <laughs> it's, it's, if they just made it like WrestleMania, if they did like a little like brand split isn't a thing, kind of like the end yeah. of WrestleMania season, it ultimately always becomes that. If they yeah. just said from the draft until Survivor Series, the brand split is not a thing, mm. or even if they just you know tried to make it feel like look anyone can go to any show for yeah. this time period. So it's kind of almost like, oh, we're going to get this again like, a little bit later. But there'll we'll be a way to make it more interesting. We'll talk about this next week. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, WWE have done, and I apologize for the language, fuck all in terms of trying <gasps> to build up this event. Le shock. It's okay. It's the end of the YouTube video. So we can get away with that strong swearing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, 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 have been, they have been pushing Crown Jewel, which um, despite some... Obviously, uh, despite all the red flags that event has, I have seen one or two matches from the card, which apparently, were, which were very, very good. Edge and Rollins in Hell in a Cell was very, very, very good. Women's Triple Threat as well was amazing. Um, but because WWE have spent all that time with with Crown Jewel and also with the draft, it's like, why are we not doing anything? Well, we just kind of want to get people familiar with the wrestlers on these new brands before we kind of put them head to head in the one night of the year where brand supremacy reigns supreme. It's it's a very the best the best way to look at this is Survivor Series doesn't really mean jack squat at the moment this weekend. It is basically just going to be a weird sort of extra episode of WWE programming with matches. You're feeling um, with great joy at this prospect, by the way. I mean, there are the some good. There are some potential good matches on the card. I mean, I'm looking forward to Big E versus Roman Reigns. I think the in-ring stuff is going to be good. The story stuff probably around it's going to be a bit. Nah. Um, <laughs> I, I, but if you if you haven't seen them on on Twitter, there they've been doing some wonderful artwork regarding uh, Xavier Woods and the Bloodline. They've been having a little feud of who will bend the knee to the king. Will the king bend his knee to the tribal chief? Or will the tribal chief bend the knee to the king? And they have these sort of, there's this wonderful, happy, happy, um, happy smugwoods with Roman kind of dropping the knee in front of him. And then they've got the reverse where he's dropping the knee in front of Roman. He's going, <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
It's like, did they really pose for these photos and someone did art over them? I hope this is the case because it was a bait. It's they're very silly things going. Again, I, I it's like I I find that funny, but the fan of the matter is uh, it's same old, same old WWE, and we will talk a lot a bit more about it. But yeah, Survivor Series this weekend. So you've got Big E versus Roman Reigns, so champion versus champion. You've got Priest versus Nakamura, champion versus champion. Uh, no tag battle at the moment, I think. I might be wrong. We might have Usos versus RK, RK Bro. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, we've got the ever-changing men and women's team, which is really, really weird. Fair enough. Um, and then we've got uh, Becky versus Charlotte, which is probably the most interesting match on the card because of all the drama. All the of which supposed... The, oh, the drama which I'm hardly aware of because that's how much I don't Oh well. Well, yeah. But, but, yeah. Uh, but, did you actually know? Don't tell me because you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to still. This is going to make me sound so lazy. You're going to feign. You're going to feign interest next week and go. Really, really. really? Well, no, it's not that. <laughs> I want to. I want to go in not knowing exactly what's happened. Okay. So then, and then want to, I want to watch it, kind of not knowing very much what's going on, just mm -hmm. to kind of see how I feel watching the show as someone who's gone. Oh, it's one of the traditional big four. Let's give that a watch. That'll be fun. Yeah. Oh. And then you can be obviously the person who knows exactly what's gone on. And I can, you can explain things to me and I can be like, what? Why was it that? I thought it was this based on knowing nothing. <laughs> and more surprise and, and disappointment. <laughs> so I think that that'll be an interesting dynamic. I think like me just going in pretty much blind to what on earth is, has, has gone on. That's yeah. Well, we'll use next week to go over survivor series in general. We'll, we'll touch base on a few, uh, niggling sorts of WWE things have been going on, more releases, NXT 2.0 being something else entirely. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. <laughs> Random uh. Von Wagner. Is that, is, that, is, that his, is that his first name now, Random? I don't know. I just like, he, just <laughs> he turned up on SmackDown last week and no one knows why. Oh, you know... <laughs> Because even Carl O'Reilly asked him on NXT last night, why are you on SmackDown? Mm. Maybe I should just have a random uh, Von Wagner graphic that just pops up every time Von Wagner gets a random Von Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, folks, on that note, as mentioned, we'll be back Wednesday next week, same Twitch time, same Twitch channel. We'll be talking WWE Survivor Series. And Ian, I know we've probably got some details coming up soon about what we're going to be doing over the festive period. Do you want to tease anything now or should we wait? Yeah, until we, can, we, we, can have a little, we can have a little, we can have a little uh, pre-show uh, pre on this sort of side of things. So um, it's going to be the last live episode of the year next week because uh, we have some very busy schedules. Jeremy definitely has a very busy schedule in the festive period. Uh, so we'll probably be doing Sorry. two more... Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. It's fine. These things happen. It's fun. It's all good. It's all good. So it might not be live, but we're still going to be cracking on with bits and pieces. So um, we've got two shows coming up in December. They'll be releasing on the YouTube channel exclusively. So the first one is a, is a general 2021 wrap-up. We're going to be looking at the back of the last 12 months across AEW, WWE, and other notable wrestling companies and just talk about the highlights, the lowlights, our favorite matches, our wrestlers of the years, and, and so forth. And looking forward to 2022, predicting a few things as well. So who could who could end up winning the Rumble? Who could end up dethroning Hangman Adam Page? All that sort of stuff. And then for the Christmas week, um, I have thought of a very fun, unique Christmas special where we're going to be looking at some festive movies starring wrestlers. Some of these you might know, 
some of these you might not. Um, we're going to be reacting to trailers, uh, reviews, and try and figure out if if we actually had some time over the festival holidays, would we actually subject ourselves to this or or to the film <laughs> to the films in question? Um, so yeah, if you'd like to contribute contribute to any of that or even share your thoughts about 2021 in general with wrestling, uh, send an email over to contact at bunkazilla.co.uk. It's also the same place where you can send all your thoughts about wrestling, as well as your thoughts on uh, Full Gear and even Survivor Series. So yes, so plenty of stuff to look forward to there. And and generally with Bunkazilla as well, there will be a few extra special things happening on Bunkazilla's Twitch channel over the first period. We'll be doing some uh, Christmas games. Um, we'll try and do, we'll, we'll hopefully doing a Christmas uh, quiz smash as well. Uh, yeah, so things are going on here. Things are still going on here. It'll be lovely to see you. I can't believe we're at nearly at Christmas already. It feels mm. like only yesterday we were talking about a show earlier this year. I couldn't think of it. Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Oh, that, was, that, was even, that was even earlier than October. That was... That was like June. May, wasn't it? Was that June? It was May time, wasn't it? Because because so. extreme rules was like the zombie thing, or was that backlash? Yeah. I don't remember. No, it was, no, it was also mainly backlash. Yeah, yeah. There was backlash, hell in a cell, Money something. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, that important show. You know, the one that shapes the entire rest of the year usually. <laughs> then you had SummerSlam, too big, so it had to be at the stadium in Las Vegas. Twenty-six second booking. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not going to make this even. Any longer, I genuinely forgot I watched SummerSlam because when you, until you mentioned it was in a stadium, I'm just like, oh yeah, I watched that, didn't I? It's like all the wrestling, it's blurring into one. Ah uh, yes, but the, the 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 incredible return of Becky Lynch and the bait and switch of a match I was really looking forward to seeing, mm. and also Goldberg threatening to kill someone. So, you know, yes, all, Goldberg wants bad. to kill a man. He didn't do it in Crown Jewel. He just speared them off the ramp into some tables. Into oblivion. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then that's his contract done for the year. So we'll see Goldberg next year. <laughs> see you at the Rumble, Goldberg. On that note, folks, we will see you <laughs> next week here on Twitch. Thank you very much for watching. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Mr. Ian Bolton, we have been Bunker Mania. Thank you very much for watching, signing out, and see you next week. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Mm.